Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Shuffle the Pack. I am one of your hosts, Gary Swan, and with me, as always, my co-host extraordinaire, the turkey sandwich to my overboiled sprouts, it's James Wagstaff. How are we doing, James? Yeah, not too bad. Christmas out of the way, but um, another impressive Packers victory to lament on and, and take Cardiff through to the new year. Yeah, jolly good. Um, now, I don't, I don't know how much of the Times game you watched. Obviously, I watched all of it, being the, being the old live-tweeting thing. Um, but the Packers looked very imperious. Um, held Derrick Henry to under 100 yards. The only slip-up I could really see was the, the Tannehill touchdown. But apart from that, we looked pretty good. What do you think? Yeah, I, I was really, really impressed with the Packers this week. I think that was a most well-rounded performance of the, of the season thus far. Um, from, from all facets, and they played for the full 60 minutes, which is something we've, we've spoken about at length throughout the season as being often finds ways to, to go to sleep. And it looked at one stage when the Titans were getting back into the game that will happen again, only for the Packers to, to back on again, which was really nice to see. And it was, yeah, in the end, obviously very, very comprehensive. And real statement game, really, because there's obviously been a lot of murmuring throughout um, the last few weeks that the Packers hadn't really beaten everyone, all the, the playoff calibre opponents that they'd played up to this point. You know, they, they'd struggled, obviously lost to the Colts in overtime, obviously got crashed by the Buck very early on in the season. Uh, people seem to forget about the Saints game because it's the narrative. But it was nice to have a, a marker laid down, I think, to, to the rest of the NFL and the NFC in particular, with the playoffs coming and saying, look, this is what we can do. Snowy Lambo conditions, which, all, well, all being well, fingers crossed, where the rest of our, our games, well, after the Super Bowl, will be played this season. So. We, we we spoke about it quite a bit this year that the the Packers haven't really had much of a run beat. and I know I personally last week I was a bit kind of I basically had the Thanos I lost last week because um, the the Titans are just such a strong running team with Derrick Henry and the Packers run game as the running defense sorry has not been great this year. What do you think changed this week? Yeah, I mean what I was really sort of surprised and, and impressed by was was Mike Pettin actually doing something which. He hasn't done an awful lot this season. His game plan all season has been to play sort of six defensive backs and he'll, he'll let you as many yards on the ground as you want, really, but he'll take away those the deep passages. Packers, if you're going to score against us, you're going to have to drive the length of the field. We're not going to give you any big, long passing plays uh, and we're going to make you earn it. That's kind of his MO. And he's not really ever changed that um, in his tenure as the Packers. To into this game with, with a different plan, decided to let you know, the cornerbacks cover their uh, receivers. Now, I don't know if, if the weather played a factor and he thought, well, it's going to be tough for, for the guys on the outside anyway. Um, and we're, what we're going to do is we're really going to sell out and commit to, to stop the running game. Now, Derek Henry still finished with 98 yards, which on the ground which is, is a very good performance. I mean, 100 yards is, is obviously the, the Belmont, but for, uh, for him and, and how much that particular matchup we've been sort of spoken about coming into the game, it is it is an impressive showing and obviously they, they did set out to do that. I think when you've got sort of cornerbacks um, and, and a secondary that really does seem to be coming on, uh, bar Kevin King, who's had a, he struggles this season, um, I think that you'd like to see more of that moving forward into the playoffs, I think, um, which because there's going to be some, some very running backs that we're going to see in the very near future. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they do utilise this this new game plan a bit more because I think that you can players like Alexander, your Savages, your Amos, who are all playing exceptionally well in the secondary, government sort of man-to-man. So, yeah, exciting. Um, 
is this the sort of dawn of a, of a new sort of age for the Packers? I, I hope so, for, from a defensive point of view, but um, we'll wait. <laughs> so, speaking of a new dawn in then, um, AJ Dillon, what a game he had. Like, he was written off as a bit of a bust at the start of the year for a few people. Like, a lot of people just wrote off his draft pick before he'd even like, picked the ball up. Um, he just looked amazing all game. Yeah, I mean, he was he was phenomenal. Uh, he completely outshone on both Derek Henry and his own teammate in Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones, again, he had 94 yards uh, on 10 carries, which is pretty impressive itself. But but he was by far away or looked the most impressive on, on Sunday night. I uh, said 21 carries for 124 yards and, and two touchdowns. Very much was his coming out party. He didn't seem to go down for less than five yards. And he's the exact a lovely wrinkle to add that this late in the season to, to this offense which has already been incredible um, this season to add that power running game you just bully your opponents this late in the season really is impressive and I think that as a Packers can sort of continue to, to feed him into the game plan moving forward he really does add another dimension to what is already a very dynamic offense so yeah no, I, was, I was very impressed with AJ Dillon just marvelling at him uh, Titans defenders and moving them five six yards back it was yeah incredibly impressive debut. Yeah, it was almost like I mean it's a bit cliched in the in the round ball world, but it's almost like having a new signing when someone comes in at this into the season quite late on and makes such an impact. Um, also, he got his he got two touchdowns in the game. His first ones for for Green Bay. Uh, Devontae Adams got three touchdowns. He's just in blistering form at the moment. And Equinemius St. Brown got his first touchdown as well. I mean it's pretty good pretty good showing all around. I think. Yeah, I mean. What more can we say about Devontae Adams? He's, he's been phenomenal this season. Um, there's no, not enough superlatives left in the English language, I don't think, to accurately describe how well he's played. Obviously, he missed two games. He's, I think, three catches away from breaking the, the Packers' um, in the season, and he missed two games. I think he's about 190 yards away from the, the, the yardage record, which is pretty held by Jordy Nelson. I think he's, he's two touchdowns from breaking the touchdown record. He's only played at this point, um, well, he's missed, missed two games with, with a hamstring injury and half of another. It, it's just phenomenal. The levels that he's been playing at this season is, is, is different for us. I don't know if you saw the comments that Aaron Rodgers made post-game, but he said that he's always sort of said that the best player that he played with was Charles Woodson. Um, and he was sort of categorically the best player he'd ever seen play the game. And he sort of dominated the game from, from a nickel cornerback position. And he said that we're now getting to the stage with Devontae Adams where we're going to we're gonna have to put him on that list. You know, that, that's high praise from, from Rodgers. You're talking about a very long and storied NFL career. And to him in that tier of excellence just shows you sort of how good this guy is. So, uh, and we haven't even got to, to Rodgers. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very impressive performance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at what point does the rest of the league start taking Devontae Adams seriously? Because um, there's constant talk of a lot. He's not, he's not the elite wide receiver, blah, 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 blah. But he's put up these numbers. Uh, Rogers, who's Hall of Fame MVP, not like hands down, no question. Is Even he's saying he's among the best he's played with. As you say, like, for, for such a long story and illustrious career, to get that praise is... Like, sure, surely the, the rest of the league can't be fighting that claim now, surely. I think it's very difficult for anyone to argue at this point based on the production, particularly this season. I think he has taken a step. I think that it was, he, he, you could argue coming into the season, you know, he's top five, 
this season, I think that he has actually moved into that top tier and, and arguably, as you say, the, the, the very best. There's some other receivers, of course, around the league who've had impressive seasons. But what he's done game in and game out and, and how consistent he's been when he's been on the field, it, it really is another level. And I mean, one of his, his third touchdown uh, against the, the Titans, he was double covered. and He just just leaves them both dead. Like they're doing everything they can from a coverage standpoint. They're dictating two of their players to cover him in the red zone, and it's still not good enough, and he's still getting the job done. So, yeah, he, he's amazing. Um, I'm so glad he's a packer. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to come up against him. Like. Um, right, so we barely spoke about Aaron Rodgers, to be honest. Um, he had one sort of fairly major slip-up where he lost, I think, about 20 yards or something like that on a, on a sack. And he was picked off with, quite frankly, an excellent Malcolm Butler catch. Um, apart from that, he just—he was just like plodding on. Just he looked like he's having fun in the snow. Yeah, I mean, he—he he was incredible again. Bar as you say, I mean that inception. I don't really know what what he was thinking. It was a bit of a strange throw across his body. It's not very uncharacteristic for Aaron Rodgers in particular this season. Um, and it was kind of one of those where you had to almost rub your eyes and go, "Did he just throw that there?" Because that didn't seem like an Aaron Rodgers. But um, outside of that, obviously, for another four touchdown passes, he's put him on 44 season. He needs two more against Chicago to, to beat his own franchise record for most touchdown passes in a season. And I think uh, a competent showing against the Bears and he'll wrap up MVP. I think he took a, a definitive lead against Mahomes this week. Mahomes is very unlikely to play uh, next week. So I think as long as he sort of keeps a clean game, maybe perhaps another three touchdowns, no picks, I think the MVP is his. You know, it's a nice exclamation mark to what's been a very impressive season for, for the Packers and, and I think thoroughly deserved for Rodgers. A lot of obviously talk coming into this season with, with the draft of love for him to then come out and perform in the way he has and silence every single one of those critics has been, been a joy to behold from a Packers perspective. Yeah, no, for sure, man. If he, if he doesn't get the MVP this season, it's just like an absolute daylight robbery situation. Um, I think I'll be calling the police to investigate it if that's the case. Um, if he gets the two, bear, two touchdowns against the Bears, there's, there's nothing, nothing really that can be counted against him for the MVP race. I don't think. No, I mean if you look at all statistical categories, barring yardage, uh, which I mean I don't read too much into. I mean last season Jameis Winston threw for over five thousand yards, and uh, but he also threw thirty picks. So yardage is, is is what it is. I think that you know. There's been a very long debates into the night whether or not QB wins is, is a QB stat. Obviously, Mahomes is going to have a slightly better record even if they do go on to, to lose this week. But outside of that, every other statistical category that you would look at, Rogers is in the lead. Um, and yeah, I think it would be a travesty at this point if he, if he wasn't going to win, win his third MVP. All right, so the bears game then so the bears are currently 8 and 7 they're holding just about holding on to seventh spot for the the playoffs at the time of recording um i think a loss for them but a win for the cards pushes the bears out of the playoff picture um they have been putting on quite a lot of points since they switched back to mitch mitch Trubisky. so how do we see this one playing out yeah i mean it's been an interesting one obviously they they switched back to mitch Trubisky for the the packers game uh, and since then they've scored at least 25 plus points in uh, all of those games uh, now and in the last four games that they've scored 30 plus now for, for a Bears team that has been always been very shy when it comes to, to scoring points it's the first time since the 1960s that they've put four games back to back where they've scored 30 plus points so 
it's not meaningless. Uh, we, you have to take this sort of new, improved Chicago Bears offense with with they're playing for their playoff lives. Um, they they really do need to to win, as you say, to, to guarantee a spot. Um, things the way that they've sort of broken football for the Bears. Uh, they, they say they 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 are back in the mix and they will be sort of playing their their, their asses off in order to try and try and get. Obviously, Packers' results didn't go the way we'd have ideally liked, so we didn't wrap up one seed. But it does mean that we can once again break some some Chicago Bears' hearts, which is always a pastime that I am particularly fond of, and I think Aaron Rodgers is too, based on some of his his comments. So, interesting to see what happens. That their run game again uh, has also looked very vastly improved. Late David Montgomery has been hanging out 100 yard games left, right, and centre since Trubisky came back into the lineup. So that's another area to focus on. And again, it'll be interesting, a good test for this pack of run day. Henry in the Times to see Montgomery, who's been one of the more productive backs for the last month or so. All right. So my score prediction for this game, I reckon it's going to, just Bears are just about going to scrape that 25-point mark, but I reckon Greenberg are going to put up a lot of points. I reckon it's 44-25. I know I'm being ambitious there, but I think it's very doable. I've got a bit more, a bit tighter. I think it's going to be a close game. Obviously, divisional games don't always stick to script in terms of, of form, as we saw earlier in the season when the, when the Packers came unstuck against the Vikings at home. I do think the Packers will get the win because obviously there's an awful lot riding on it. That that by this, they've already said this this week. Matt McClure has come out and said, look, this is in effect a playoff game because we win through to the divisional round. So they're, they're treating it. In their mindset, this is the wild card round because if they win, they know they're getting that buy and they're going straight to a home playoff game at Lambeau in the divisional round. Uh, and that's obviously a huge advantage. So, yeah, uh, I think they're going to win, but I'm going to go with 31 to 28. I think it's going to be a nail biter, uh, but I think the Packers will pull it out late. No, that's fair enough. Um, obviously, you, you are a lot closer on it than I am, but I thought I, I, neither one of us sees the Bears hitting the, the third point mark again, so I think we should probably be okay. It's, it's one of those sort of like uh, mid-90s Kevin Keegan Newcastle teams that just have to outscore <laughs> the opposition. Um, right, so let's have a look at the NFC playoff watch list. So currently it's Packers in one seed, Saints, Seahawks, who whichever like, dumpster fire wins the NFC East, and then the Bucks in the fifth seed. Uh, they're all clinched. Um, Rams and the Bears both in the spot uh, currently holding the sixth and seventh spots but Cardinals, Cowboys and Giants could all somehow be in the hunt there as well so what is the permutations what do we do yeah so obviously a lot of permutations it's surprising going into week 17 that as yet which is very rare in the NFL there are no playoff matches thus set no one outside of the Kansas City Chiefs leading is, is firmly set at this point in time which Makes it exciting because a lot is riding on week 17, whereas usually there's a lot of dud sort of games that are already in hand. You already know, sort of roughly speaking, where people are going to finish. So it does mean there's obviously a lot of potential change and, and, and might well happen come this weekend. So, in terms of buy and that, that all important home field advantage with only one buy in, in the conference, there's three teams that are left in it. Packers, obviously, they currently have the outside, the inside track, holding the, the number one seed at the moment win against the Bears, they've got the one seed. It's as simple as that. They don't need to worry about anyone else's results as long as they can take care of business. However, if they do slip up, that's when things can become a little bit more tricky, shall we say. But if lose uh, against the, the Bears in Week 17, Saints win and Seattle win, that would leave all four teams 
uh, with a 12 and 4 record. In that scenario, due to tiebreakers that I'm not entirely sure anyone fully <laughs> understands, uh, in that scenario, the Saints would be the, the one seed, which would be it's a bit egregious because we, we've beaten the Saints. But be that that's how these things sort of work out. If, however, the Saints were to lose against the Panthers, the Packers were also to lose against the Panthers, but Seattle uh, were, were to beat the 49ers in their final game, then it would be the Packers and Seattle who end up with 12 and 4 records. And in that scenario, again, the Packers would lose out by, by virtue of tiebreakers um, in, in that scenario. Now, the only other scenario that the Packers can lock in and guarantee the one seed is if the Packers were to lose and Seattle were to lose as, as well. If that was to happen, the Packers would guarantee the one seed as well because Packers would be 12 and 4. The Saints in this scenario, they win. Um, they would be 12 and 4, but of course, after the head to head win against the Saints, and thus would still clinch the first number one seed. So a lot of permutations, um, but obviously, the main thing is the Packers win. It doesn't matter what anyone else does, they can fight. Get, go to Pell, it doesn't matter, we're the one seed. So that's what they'll be focused on, on this week. Get the win uh, and get it sorted. Uh, we, we do like a game of the week every week and you know, we, we, we spoke about this yesterday actually uh, before recording, but we try so hard to not be homers that we never pick the Packers for anything good, uh, or any of the Packers players or anything like that. There's a real chance that the Packers-Bears game could be the game of the week. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to playoff implications, there's there's few games around this week that, that, that have more. Um, obviously, not only is it just the one seed in play that for, for the Packers standpoint, but obviously the Bears locked in with that that seventh seed at the moment, but obviously could very easily slip out of things based on what happens with the the, the Cardinals and, and the, the Rams. Obviously, both those teams are in a win-and-in scenario because the Rams lost last week. We had a lot of permutations out of this this present moment in yeah, so speaking of games of the week, we'll have a quick look at last week's game of the week. We picked the Seahawks-Rams, um, purely because we needed to keep half an eye on the playoff picture. Um, the Seahawks won against a subpar Rams team. Jared Goff, he dislocated his thumb and he reset it himself mid-drive. Um, to be honest, I didn't even notice a dip in his play before or after because he's just so fucking boring. Um, but I understand he's going to be out next week. So the Seahawks, I mean, they're, they're probably going to... They're probably gonna, I think they have got the division. Yeah. So, so, so Seattle pins the division by virtue of that win against the, the Rams. They're still, they've still got things to play for, which is, is that an outside chance. Obviously, they could still get that one seed. So, so they'll still be playing hard in their game against the Niners just to, to put the pressure on on the Packers. Um, in terms of yeah, the Rams, it'd be interesting that the guy that, that's coming in with their playoff sort of or plans hanging by a thread they they having to rely on John Wolford he's a, an ex Alliance of American Football League player and he's never thrown a pass in, in the NFL so yeah be that uh, we'll be interesting to see how he gets on I mean Jared Goff's been pretty poor of late so it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of coax some life into that that offense Jared Goff threw one of the worst picks I've seen in a long time uh, against Seattle there was no players within 10 yards of, of where he threw the ball, he threw it across his body on the run. Just made no sense. I, I don't know what he saw, what he thought he saw. Uh, there was no one in the area and he didn't need to throw the ball there. So, you know, it could well be an upgrade for, for the Rams based on, on the level that he's been playing playing at. So that'll be interesting to, to see how see how they go um, this week. I think I'm going to 
pick the Cardinals by virtue of obviously the the new guy. I don't know what this guy, this Rams quarterback's going to look like. He could well be amazing, but he could also be very very shit. Why is never thrown? Yeah, I mean, I was going to go for the Cardinals as well, purely based on the fact that there's like no film on this guy. Um, he is just a total mystery to the whole league. But I mean, Sean McVay must see enough in him to keep him on the roster spot. But apart from that, he's he he could be a character from his dead as well. I know. Certainly sounds that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so we're both going for the cards. Seahawks rounds is fucking dog shit. So that's fine. All right, MVP this week. Who have you got? My MVP this week, um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think you can look too much too much further than Alvin Kamara. He recorded six touchdowns uh, in a single game, which is the most since the 1920s, which, you know, when, you, when you're breaking records that have been held for that long, you know you're doing something right. So I think he's fully deserving of that. I mean, he is an absolute stud running back, um, a player that, again, the Packers could well see again this season after embarrassing quite a few Packers. Um, although we got the win in the end, he certainly left his uh, emotional scar on a lot of those uh, Packers players. But um, yeah, he's my MVP for this week. Yeah, that was, that was completely fair. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna pick Alvin Kamara, and then I thought, nah. I mean, I've got to give it to AJ Dillon for having a total breakout game. Um, while everyone else were playing on, on like a snowy Lambeau field, he looked like he was playing on a nice summer's day, lush turf, no slopes, just pure, just elegance with those enormous tree trunk ties. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, yes, as we sort of backed lyrical already about him, he really is a very exciting prospect. And to add him into this offense this late in the season, it really does add a very nice wrinkle. What is already a, a very, very proficient offense. So it'll be very intriguing to see. I think uh, obviously be interesting to watch the, the injury status of Jamal Williams. Obviously, this week, which which opened the door for AJ Dillon to get some carries. But you got to think after that performance that regardless of the, the fitness of, of Jamal Williams, they've got to they've got to give him more of a role because he, he is really elected. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, the Jamal Williams tends to just be like the run it up the middle guy when they're trying to juke up. Um, but if AJ Dillon has all these, I mean, before we know, it could just been a, a like a, a one game miracle. But if he keeps playing like that, then it's he's a genuine alternative threat in the same sort of way that uh, Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt are for uh, for the Browns. Yeah, no, you're absolutely. It really does give the Packers a very, very good one-two punch with both of those players. Obviously, Aaron Jones, he has something that not a lot of running backs have, which is that he can break a, a 75-yard run because he's got the pace to do that at any point in the game, and he can completely turn a game on its head. One sort of game-breaking play, and we've seen it countless times where he'll get a carry. Doesn't look like much is on. He did it against uh, the Titans this week when, when really when the Packers needed it. So to have that sort of explosiveness that, you know, can go off at any time, but then combine that with real impressive power back who can, you know, score in short short yarder situations, get you that first down, it, it is it is a very nice compliment set to add. And, and Jamal Williams, he's a pretty he's a pretty confident running back as well. So as a one, two, three, um you, you can't really argue with with the running back room in the moment. Yeah, and we're being able to bring in like a, a totally like fresh pair of legs this late in the season against some very tired, very hard work defenses. It can only go better from here for the the running game, I think. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I know that James Jones, um, whilst watching the game, he tweeted out obviously back uh, one of our receivers during the Super Bowl run back in 2010, and, and he came out and said, you know, the spark that he might that 
Dylan may provide is very reminiscent of what James Starks did in that playoff. He came out of nowhere. He sort of had 120 odd yards in their first playoff game against the Eagles, and this guy, no one had ever heard of him, and all of a sudden he's you know on 120 yards on a playoff cover defense that really and they they sent on that run game uh, along with Aaron Rodgers playing sort of otherworldly, and he took them all the way to the Lombardi. So you know. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but it's uh, it's looking good. <laughs> well, a lot of parallels, a lot of parallels. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right then, so Mr. Irrelevant this week, James, who have you gone for? I think there's probably only really one choice here, I think, but you might have someone different. Well, I've gone for Dwayne Haskins again. Oh, what a surprise. Uh, what a surprise. Uh, obviously, I had him last week, um, went to the, the, the strip club, um, denied it. You know, said it wasn't a strip club, it's a bar. Be that as it may, he then comes in. Plays fucking terribly. Um, dooms the Washington football team to, to a defeat against Panthers team. You know, Panthers aren't too bad, but they had the division there on the line. They could have won it with a win. Uh, and he, he comes in and plays awful. He gets benched. Taylor Heineke, which sounds like some sort of cough remedy. Um, and, and then he refuses to speak to the media after the game. He drives straight home. And then he gets his ass cut, which, based on his attitude and everything he's done in the last few weeks is thoroughly deserved. He seems he's been a problem all season. Ron Rivera, you know, very quickly took a disliking to him. And I think that's a lot to do with his, his personality and his attitude. Uh, and he's, he's only proving that Ron Rivera was right from, from the offset. So, uh, yeah, he, he's my Mr. Elephant. And uh, obviously being cut now, he's still only 23 years old. He was a first round pick. You know, that, that's just poor going from his standpoint. And it's all down to his attitude, something that you can control. Yeah, I mean, my Mr. Elwood is the same guy, Dwayne Haskins again. Um, I've, the notes I literally have are released by Washington for generally being an idiot, wasted a first-round draft. I think he's like 15th or something. Um, it was, supposedly, it was like a Darren Snyder draft pick. Um, but the, the coaching team and the scouts had questions over his attitude. And when you know, it's, 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 his attitude was letting down. Um, he's one of these guys that's probably had enough talent to be a starter for a sort of like mediocre team and you know you can probably get paid and all that sort of thing eventually but he's just letting himself down left and right and I can't see anyone taking a punt on him from here on in. Yeah no I mean I, I think he's owed not an awful lot more money left on his contract and he's still got two years so if it's anyone was, was to, yeah if someone was to pick him up he would be a very cheap uh, backup now, is he worth the hassle? That's probably another argument for another day. There's a lot of egos in the league who like to salvage quarterbacks and, and because it makes them look better. So I'll be intrigued to see if any of those teams pick him up. I mean, he's certainly probably more competent from a, a physical, physical standpoint than, than some of the backups around the league. So you'd think that there'd be some teams interested um, because of his age. I think that he'd probably do well to, you know, let go underground. Not hear his name for the rest of the season. Obviously, it's a long off season, and then pop up on a practice squad somewhere. You know, the early portion of next season, uh, and then work his way back that way. I think that's probably the most sensible thing from a PR standpoint. Obviously, the team that he's got the best uh, PR advisor team based on everything that he's done. But uh, hopefully, hires one because you know he, there's a reason he was taken so early in the draft. He did does have a very impressive physical. So he's proof for something ridiculous like 50 touchdowns in his last season for Ohio State. There's got to be something there, uh, but it'd be interesting to see you know who gives him a chance. But I imagine he'll be on a very, very short lease, whoever whoever does give him. 
He could uh, he could do worse than going like dropping down at the CFL for a, a year or two, maybe like a year in the XFL when it comes out in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've seen quite a few players come back from that route, and I think it really illustrates the importance of having a, a feeder league that the NFL just because there are a lot of players who aren't ready when they they come out from from college, be that physically they're not ready because they're still very young, or be that mentally. I mean. I know when I was 23 years old, I was still making, doing a lot of sort of rash decisions, admittedly, wasn't being paid millions of dollars. Uh, but, you know, I was still being pretty stupid on, on the weekend. So, you know, you do have to, to view it through prism. You might well mature. Um, but, but, yeah, I think you will get another opportunity at some point. I genuinely dread to think what I was doing at 23 years old. I was, I was not what you would consider to be like mature or sensible. And even now, I don't think I'm particularly mature or sensible. I think I'm just a little bit older. That's pretty much yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just older in numbers, not yeah. in wiseness. <laughs> a little bit grey around the temples and that's it, you know. Um, right then, James, what else have we missed this week? Is there anything exciting that I've missed talking about? Um, I mean, obviously now, to be, as we, we get to week 17, the final week of the season, obviously it's good to start to, to look back. Obviously, we've mentioned uh, over the last few weeks, potentially, a sort of award show so that's something that we, we're looking to, to do so we're going to go through the categories that or the traditional categories that you tend to have at the NFL honours and we might add a few ones uh, in there so so that's something to, to obviously look out for from a pod's perspective uh, obviously a lot to talk about and digest we may well uh, have a special guest if you follow us on Twitter you might well have seen uh, something to that effect um, hopefully fingers crossed the man is impossible to track down but we're getting there so <laughs> Um, so hopefully, uh, yeah, that, that's a sort of a little nugget for, for anyone who's listening at this point. Thank you, Carrot. But outside of that, yeah, I mean, if we go back to the start of the season, we both made some predictions for the NFC Champ- AFC Championship games. And sure did, didn't we? <laughs> a good time to, to look at that now, just obviously prior to the end of the season. Um, I believe, from the top of my head, I had the Chiefs-Ravens uh, in the AFC. Yeah, so did I. Packers and Packers Niners, I think I had yeah. in, the, in the NFC. And I think at the mid-season point, I switched to Packers Saints in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Um, wise, you know, I don't think it's gone too bad. I think that there is a strong possibility from the start of the season. I might well end up with three or four. Uh, I think the Ravens at the moment, you know, they, they, they've really turned it back on again. They looked impressive for the first few weeks of the season. Then they really went off the boil. Uh, but, but at the moment... I really, really wouldn't fancy facing that that Raven side at the moment. They they really look back to similar to last season and, and, and the early portion of this season, the way that they're absolutely running all over teams at the moment. So, yeah, I think they're the, the proverbial team you don't want to face uh, at this point. I mean, I'm just having a look at this week in Ken's game. They had three running backs, uh, three sort of rushes with over 75 yards on the ground, which just, you know, it's just... It's, Ravens team obviously against the Giants but they've been doing it for a few weeks now interesting to see how they get on yeah I mean they're, they're, as you said like, the Ravens are looking quite obviously resurgent but I mean since there's that mid-season look when Lamar went down or had or contracted some sort of like mild form of COVID or something like that so he was out for a couple of weeks took him another couple of weeks to get back in the rhythm and they've looked okay but I don't think they've looked particularly spectacular um, I think with Lamar lightning his load. So last week, the week before, uh, mid-game, he was uh, he's looked better since then. So I don't know if he was just like carrying something like Elvis style. I don't know. Um, but they're definitely looking better than they were a few weeks ago anyway. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, that, that AFC playoff picture, um, you talk about sort of permutations from, from the NFC standpoint. Obviously, that's been the focus of, of this this podcast, but the AFC is, is wild. There, there's a very strong possibility that a team is going to finish with 11 wins uh, and not make the, the playoffs, which, you, you know, it's unheard of. Unheard of in, in times when there was a six sort of team uh, playoff. In fact, I think it's only ever happened on two occasions, and that was when six teams were going to the dance. This year, obviously, seven teams from each comp. So the fact that it might happen this season, it is wild that an 11 win team might well miss out. And it would be very, you know, whoever it is. And at the moment, it's the Colts who are on the outside looking in, um, who, as we said, I mean, they, they beat the Packers earlier in the season. We know that this is a very good team. There is going to be one team who are very deserving. Um, and then there's going to be one team very undeserving NFC. Yeah, so give me give me two seconds. I, I saw a stat for the the Titans how they can get in and out of the the playoffs. Right? It, was, it was very interesting. So it's something I saved on my phone because it was that interesting. So, um, so the Titans in a week 17 with the chance to either win the division or miss the playoff completely. Um, so if they win the division, sorry, they will win the division with a Titans win or a Colts loss, or they'll miss the playoffs if. Titans lose and the Dolphins and Ravens both win. Um, anything in between puts them in as a wild card. That is such a bizarre situation to be in for the Titans. So basically, they have to win and in, which I think most of the AFC is at the moment as well. Yeah, I mean, the only one that's not at the moment is the Colts. They're the only team that's not, they don't control their own destiny at this point. Um, because if the, all the other sides do win, then they will be on the outside looking, looking in. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it. If you hark back to obviously this week's game against the Lions, I mean, we're not playing a team that, that had nothing to play for. If they'd have won on Sunday night, they would have clinched the division and a, a playoff spot. And to, to turn them over in such a resounding fashion, it really, as I say, does speak volumes to a team that we know have been, been very consistently good all season and, and had one of the best, well, coming into the game, they had the number one scoring offence. Uh, so, so, yeah, again whack lyrical all day about that by Packers performance as I say I think if we were to play like that for another four games we, we're likely uh, bringing the, the title home so you know it's very impressive stuff Yeah um, I think we just need to briefly touch on the Rams uh, not the Rams sorry the, the Jets absolutely knacker in their tank <laughs> Yeah what is going on um, Adam Gates can't even get the tank job right <laughs> That's, I mean, you, you know, the Browns, they lost all their receivers, all their receivers that you've ever heard of to, to COVID. Uh, I think one person tested positive uh, and all the rest were close contacts. I think there's rumours that, that what happened was they had a hot tub session to, together um, and by that virtue, they were close contacts. And because of that, they missed the game. The Browns could have clinched a playoff berth with, with the win. But they didn't, uh, and they may well now. They could end up missing the playoffs, and if they miss the playoffs because they had a hot tub party, I don't think anything could get more Cleveland Browns than, than that. To be honest with you, <laughs> imagine missing out like the biggest games of the season for your for your franchise for years because you and your mates could not could not share a bath. Yeah, I mean, this is a team. This is the longest active non sort of playoff drought in the league they haven't been for a very 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 long time their fans you know they've suffered through an 0-16 and a 1-15 season in the last few years this is a very long suffering franchise they have the first sort of competent season in in years where they've been sort of very consistent particularly against the teams they should be they have an opportunity to beat 
you know, arguably one of the worst teams in the league to get it done and they think they can't do it. And if they don't get over the line, they will be this will be looked back on in years to come as a as a complete bottle job, really. How do you bottle failure? Do you know what I mean? How can you bottle <laughs> like try to come last? It's like it's un- unbelievable. Um, but what it does mean is it means the Jags have got the number one pick and that is guaranteed. Um, so if you were Trevor Lawrence, would you be happier at, well, in Jacksonville or would you be happier in New York or would you just stay in, in college for another couple of years? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Obviously, Jacksonville haven't, you know, we speak about Cleveland, but Jacksonville hasn't been far behind when it comes to ineptitude over the course of the, the last few years. I mean, since I've been following the sport, they, bar one season when they miraculously made it to the AFC Championship game, they've been pretty shy the entire time they, they've consistently drafted in the top five near enough every season bar that one season um and and, and they've never managed to put it together in fact they've they drafted some very good players in that time as well but they just can't seem to either keep those guys in house and just keep this the, the, the thing moving in the right direction now obviously they've made countless mistakes at quarterback Blake Bortles is the one that he screams out and you do wonder obviously if they can, can get a guy that they can build around in, in Trevor Lawrence maybe they'll finally get things things right. I mean, from a UK standpoint, obviously they come over every year. Uh, this season they were supposed to play two games in in, in the UK. Um, so, so there is a firm commitment. I mean, it's pretty exciting that if Trevor Lawrence is as he's hyped up to be, that he will be coming on a regular basis to to London and, and playing games and, and being able to see him live and sort of up close from, from the UK fan perspective. So I'm excited from that point of view. But I think, you know, after Trevor Lawrence, He'd have probably preferred New York just because the opportunity, it's one of the biggest sort of markets you can be in. If you want to be a big star, it's one of the places you want to want to go to. But if um, you know, at least you get the sunshine and no no income tax down in, in Jacksonville. I mean, there, there, there are other good points to Jacksonville as well. I mean, they've got so much like draft capital, uh, cap space due to hire a new GM. I think the the head coach is probably going to do probably going to be changing either this year or next. So if Trevor Lawrence does end up there, he there's a lot of building to be done there with the right quarterback. If it's maybe not Lawrence, excuse me, it could be someone like Trey Lance or Justin Fields or uh, uh, Tracks. Or I can't remember his bloody name. I'm not really big on the college game. Um, but there's like three or four uh, potential like star quarterbacks coming out in the, the draft this year. So any one of them could end up in Jacksonville and do really, really well. Because it, it looks like it's almost like a brand new team from the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's, it's going to be a complete rebuild. You do have to feel a little bit sorry for Gardner Minshew. Um, <laughs> at least statistically, he, he's been very good this season when he's played. He seems to be very good at throwing three touchdowns, zero picks, 300 yards in a game that, they, that the team lose sort of 35 to 28 or something. He, he's very good at sort of keeping a clean, statistical game. Whether or not you can you can legitimately win well with him that's another question but he's definitely you know shown that he's more than good enough to be a very very capable backup if not low-end starter so it'd be intriguing to see what happens with his career moving forward whether or not the Jags they still retain his rights or have him up with Trevor Lawrence or whether or not they have an open competition next season they probably will and I imagine they'd probably give the range straight to Trevor Lawrence but um, yeah it'd be intriguing to see what happens next with his career because he's always been fairly good I thought I think Minshew could be like the next sort of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, just not necessarily a journeyman, but someone who's going to come in, do a job for a little, for a brief glimmer of time, have the occasional shit game, but generally still put up decent numbers. 
he might not have the, the, the quality nickname of like a Fitz Tragic, Fitz Magic sort of thing. He might not have that sort of Jekyll and Hyde aspect to his game. Um, but I think there's a, there's a lot more to come from Minshew. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think that he's shown enough at this stage to show a lot more competency than a lot of the backups. That you see. I mean, Chase Daniel, I don't know if you've seen how much money he's made in his career. He's always been bang average at best. By all accounts, he's a great team guy. He's really good at studying film and actually helping the starting quarterback. So teams pay him to stay, stick around. Um, he spent a lot of time with the NFC North, currently with the, with the Lions. He previously was with, with the Bears but he, he isn't a very good quarterback. When he has come on the field, he's proven he's not a, a good enough backup. And he's, he's like made... a supplementary coach almost, isn't he? Yeah, that, by the seams of things, that's what, what he's there for, um, almost. But, but they're paying a lot of money for that role. I'm sure they could get him a lot cheaper if they just said, come on, Lofty, let's just get you in the coach and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah, um, this is finished. Let's go home. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned, obviously, Fitzpatrick. That, that situation in Miami is dark. I don't think I've ever remember a situation where they flip flop between this is a playoff caliber team and, and they very well may, might well make the playoffs if they win their, their week 17 game uh, against the Bills with the Bills in all likelihood pressing their starters with nothing to play for. Um, a good chance they might make it, but obviously they've been flip flopping between Tua and, and Fitz, Fitz Magic, which, um, you know, it's not the best for the confidence. Of Tua, he's obviously a rookie quarterback. He came in mid, mid season and it's twice uh, as the going's got this season. He's been yanked by his coach, which is you know not what you typically see. Uh, and obviously both times Fitzmagic has come in and and, and made a difference. Uh, one time he got he got the, the win, which is a crazy ending against the, the the Vegas Raiders this week. And then once he almost got a win against the Broncos. So it is intriguing that Flores sort of willing to do that and sort of break the the ego of Tua. So it'll be intriguing to see how that goes. He has named Tua the stars this week, but if he has a few bad drives, whether or not he'll get yanked again on reigns to be seen. So I, I don't actually have a problem with Flores taking Tua out of the game because it's clear that uh, Brian Flores is doing the right things down in Miami. Um, I think my, the Miami fans need to trust in, in his decision-making and what he's doing because he's clearly, considering that they, they, they were like dog shit last year and they weren't, great to start this game and like Tua's had no preseason and he's still learning the playbook and everything there's a million factors so if he's not quite up to scratch yet giving him that half a game to see what he can do and then going right hang on we'll, we'll take a step back we'll put in the guy who knows how to finish the game it's Jekyll or Hyde that's going to turn up on the field but we'll, he knows how to finish the game I, I, think I think there's a lot to that I get that and, and I think yeah fine in sort of mid-season uh, but we're at the business end of the season now you're, you're telling me that Brian Flores, if gun to his head, you ask him who's the better quarterback right now, who do you think he's going to answer? Oh, it's, oh, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't follow Miami enough to know, but I, I would say he probably has more faith in Fitz. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with, with that. I think that the, the fact that he brings him in in these sort of late-game scenarios to turn the tide for them means that he has more confidence in him to, to get something going, which is, is fine. Two as a young quarterback, it takes time to develop, and I get that. But if you're about to start a playoff push, you you know they've got a very good, very good defence that they, they can on their day, hang with anyone. They can make a run in this postseason because of how well coached they are, how good their special teams, how good their defense is, and they've got enough on offense. You're telling me, going into the postseason, that, that they shouldn't start Fitzpatrick, who 
he thinks is the best course. That's what I think is a weird decision because they ha- they could make a run. They have the defense to to. We've already seen they gave the Chiefs a really good game earlier in the season, uh, and who, who are the class of that conference. So I think it's hard to argue that that they shouldn't start if they think that he's the better QB. They shouldn't start with Patrick in the playoffs. I, I, is it, do you think it's maybe a case that he's just trying to get two or some snaps before next season then? Because we, we don't really know at this point if there's going to be a preseason. We don't know how COVID's going to progress or not progress in the next, what is it, eight, nine months or something until the preseason starts. So try and get in some reps in with the team later in the season when it was still on the fence, maybe that they could be going, might not be going, you know. And then if the game's still chaseable, let Fitzpatrick come in and get the win. Yeah, I, I think that that's obviously the plan obviously their, their dream scenario is that they don't need to factor again but when I mean getting to the playoffs is hard it's not an easy feat that they're going to potentially be an 11 win team this season if they win their final game and qualify for, for, for the playoffs it's not easy to, to repeat that they, they could very easily next season fall back into the, the back and finish you know eight and eight seven and nine uh, and not make the playoffs when you make the playoffs you, you surely you've got to try with every sinew to to, to win um and I, I get, obviously, trying to coach up a rookie QB. But if you think you have a legitimate shot, which once you make the playoffs, you've got to think you have a legitimate shot of having run, surely you've got to go with a guy that you trust the most. And I just think it would be intriguing to see if they do get into the, the postseason, which way they go with that. Because, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I think if they, if they do get in the postseason, they have to go with Fitzpatrick purely in terms of experience. Um, but up until that point, I can see what Brian Flores is trying to do, like get the players' confidence, and then if it's if it's still attainable to get that win, then get the guy in who can finish the game out, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like, as I say, like if they do get into the playoffs, it needs to be Fitzpatrick that starts, and then have yeah, I, I personally I agree. I think they say if if, if they believe as, as I say that they, that he gives them the best chance to win, then it would be a very bizarre decision for them not to go with Fitzpatrick season again what do you do to the confidence of the young sort of quarterback you say look we don't trust you to get it done in the postseason that'd be interesting at least but I think does that not kind of depend on what the conversations were at the start of the season because it might have already been laid out the plan like you know we get to this point and we'll see how you're playing we get to this point see how this guy's playing if we think x situations happen we'll, we'll counteract it with y situation so it might be a part of like a wider plan they got going on yeah, I mean, you're not. No one's uh, flying the war in the meter. You don't know what's been discussed. Obviously, um, I mean, Tua has, every time he has been replaced and always interviews. You know, he's been very magnanimous about about it and and sounded as though, you know, whatever it's all for the team, which is you know good to hear. He's obviously um, fairly mature for his years. Does not taking it completely to heart. A lot of people, a lot of QBs particularly, would take that much much worse. Or, you know they don't, they don't like it ultimately speaking particularly when they've actually been relatively successful and they would rather hope for a bit of benefit of the doubt it doesn't seem that, that Flores has, has been prepared to give him but um, yeah, strange situation not often you see this sort of, sort of UB controversy like this for a team that are about to, to qualify for the playoffs yeah I mean I've got... <laughs> No, do you know I'm not, I'm not going to keep keep rehashing this because this is a, a Green Bay Packers podcast, not a bloody Miami Dolphins podcast. We've <laughs> <laughs> been a good five six minutes on this, and we spoke for nearly an hour already. So, um, all right, James, is there anything else we need to speak about today? No, I think we've we've touched on most my, my spaces, in particular the two of Fitzpatrick <laughs> <laughs> drama. Um, no, I think we've touched. I'm 
looking forward to, to week 17 game against the best. Um, I think that, you know, it's a good test. I, I was a little bit of me was, was kind of glad that, that the Rams couldn't get it done just because, you know, the opportunity to, to break the Bears' hearts once again in, in week 17 uh, in their building is one that's very tantalising. Obviously, on the flip side, they can always sort of do the same to us. But, you know, I like our chances um, of going down there and getting the W and finishing the job. Uh, and then obviously having the week off, uh, the bye week to prepare for whoever comes through the, the wildcard round. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, right then, on that note then, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll finish up. Um, obviously, we are looking to do a, an end of season and a regular season awards. Uh, we might have a special guest if, as you said, James, if anyone has been following our Twitter, which judging by how the, the followers went up over the weekend, just randomly, um, then maybe there is. But I mean, you know, followers don't necessarily mean listeners. So, but yeah, we might have a special guest on for the awards, uh, the awards thing, which is probably in the bye week. So we'll do like the standard one next week and then in, during the bye week we'll... Uh, so I'm just assuming we get in the bye week at this point. So during the bye week, <laughs> we'll, do the awards, we'll do the awards show during the bye week. Um, right, on that note, if you don't already follow the pod and if you are still listening at this stage, um, you can follow us on Twitter at ShuffleFact or you can email us with any questions uh, and anything really, like or if you want to give us some money or something, you know, whatever. Um, you can follow, you can email us at shufflethepackpod at gmail.com. Um, and I think, James, I think after like 16 weeks, that's the first time I've got that right. Get in. <laughs> what a touch, you know? <laughs> no wonder we've been getting no emails. Keep bouncing back. Exactly. No, people think, who, who are these people? They just don't want our emails. Um, yeah, so anyway, Shuffle Pack on Twitter at shufflepackpod at gmail.com. Um, I might be right there. Um, on that note, James, I'll speak to you next week, probably in, in between as well. And go, Pack, go. Go, Pack, go.